Anyway, man, let's say I have an ask. If anyone can lend me 500,000 rand. <laughs> I was about to ask what currency. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it better? Is it better in rand? Uh-uh. It's not. It's not. We do not you have that. Let me tell you how much that is in pounds. Please learn how to pronounce the word allegedly. Allegedly, guys, a small little thing. When they come out with such flavor, I saw this hilarious tweet to talk on a, um, you know what, you can sell your um, your liver for this amount of money because clearly you have got the liver to be talking about this. So this is in relation to um, this guy who has, who just forgot a small word in his allegations on... Um, on, on social media, just the word allegedly, you know. Now he's being sued for de- um, defamation of character for 500,000. Guys, if, if this happened, if something like this happened to you, where would you get that money from? I don't even know where to start. I don't have it. Who would you bring? Like, if you're, t- you know, sometimes like, yeah, say, oh, let me go and get this person because this person can help me. Who, who would that person be? Who would you bring to the to the ring table? No, all my friends will put my seed away. I'll do it on my own. Maybe I could, own. yeah, maybe my mentor she could help, but yeah, I'm gonna missing. I think that's so. Yes, the spirit, the same video. You, 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 when I get that. Listen, I would bring myself. <laughs> one thing about me, if I'm banged against the wall, I w- no, the thing is, and, and I don't know, lawyer, Twitter, legal, Twitter, please let us know. Where do you get that figure from, first of all? That's, a, that's half a million. Half yeah. a million. Usually, defamation is on, like, whatever I said and you can link it to your character and say or your business to say because of this I lost so much because so sometimes if you can trace because remember sometimes people do lose a sponsorship and all that and time dealing with all that so it all comes to that where if there's a money trail that can be tracked then they, they use that so sometimes yeah so you mean to tell me that so this so five hundred thousand rand is twenty five thousand pounds. So you mean in the space that that guy has spoken and the word has spread, obviously it's it's, it's going viral on social media. There's now you know and Wanan has obviously now caught. Um, she's 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 involved her lawyers. So that's two minutes or whatever five minutes clip is costing him twenty five thousand. But but that's the thing. That, that's why I said I would trust myself because those are just it's just a letter, right? It it only a court of law can compel you to pay that amount. Let me I would come out and be like, um, I acknowledge, you know, this 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 um I acknowledge this letter which has been addressed to this account at Malika Diva, not to me, to Ed Malika Diva uh, according to a, a a clip that was in the likeness of the person and known as 
and I'll be like, I'll be like, um, you know, it appears that the 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 the, the, the likeness says that the <laughs> issues for the matter has been deleted. I will love me. I will. I will do a crash course. <laughs> it's a crash course. I'll bring that to the table because okay, now, yeah, Ned, Ned, you're the one. We're taking you. Speak on my behalf, Shem. <laughs> and then the response was like. Um, I, um, his response was like uh, the sorry was like oh I regret blah, blah, but it was very much like okay sorry right all right I didn't see that I say apologizing well it was it's, it's like three lines or so it's just like yeah but no anyway it was it was <laughs> and that's why Wendy Williams Charlemagne like all my favorite always say allegedly Allegedly. Very powerful. Me guys, all these rules. If you listen to our podcast episode or two ago, um, rules can be bent sometimes. But you know, that <laughs> this business of leading people astray. No, you know, do you know what I said, Esther? I was saying that um, sometimes people assume that my name is Natalie, and so. I don't correct them in case there are situations like this where they say Natalie and I'll be like, oh, Natalie, who is that? So I can distance myself. So that is a whole character. But Natasha, we protect Natasha. <laughs> you see now, that's why Chloe was surprised when she saw my full name on Zoom. Yeah. You never bring that to Twitter. You never bring that to the table. Like, yeah. who's that? So wait, so wait. So actually, let's just do introductions and then we can actually go into that because I want to know where that has, has, has actually come from. So guys, if you're listening to us for the first time, actually, this sounds better when you, when you start because then I get all lost. I know, we get confused. Okay, okay, let, let's go. Uh, welcome to Girl in Sky's podcast with me, Natasha. And Tony. And Star. I sometimes go by Nat. I sometimes go by Michelle. And sometimes I go by Junie. Yay! <laughs> Welcome, Junie. Thank so, you. Thank you. Now, I was really surprised, you know, um, when I saw your, like, your other names. So you go, go by Star as well? Yes, I do. Fine. So I was like, how? Oh. So, you know, me and Nat were chatting and we're like, oh, you know, it'd be really good to have Junie on the pod so all this time and then all of a sudden she's like oh yeah so we've got a, we've got a recording with Stabile at whatever time today uh, today so I was like so where did that like how how is it that she have become known as Junie like what what, is, what does it mean like where where is like, it's, it's a unique name so I it's the first time that I have come across it so tell us so, so well, my full name is Tabiso. So, Nkaya. So, Nkaya is either Star or Tabi. 
mm-hmm. because oh tabi tabi because if anyone wants something they'll say tabi or tabi tabi which is i think it be zolo kuntete sisa and then so when juni came about at work so uh, my boss used to say which so i used to work for ukutata pulu so he used to say tabi achuna when juni you know so then he kind of wayenza ngoba is ukuthuna i know like then in june slang and then eventually in that office everybody started to call me in june and then <laughs> and then yeah when ungathi ndingi hello like there i think by that time things people were being taken from you know like what they were saying on twitter you needed to be different and people were afraid i thought well Chuna and it aligns with the job that I do and my voice. So in Juni, and then I it was there, and then people started to know me as Juni. Then I tried to change it, and people couldn't find me. And then so I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep it. So I am very proud of all my names. I like all my names. They all belong to me. They are mine. So that's how I'm Juni. It was a nickname from work. I love I love that story as well that goes with it. But listen, we are so so happy to have you on the pod. Like, you know, we are so we have we have talked about it for such a long time, you know. So to actually physically have you here is it's it's really heartwarming and uh, so thank you. Thank you for taking the time to come and just have a bit of a a girl chat with us. Um we just want to just Just talk about things, um, talk about life in jail, talk about relationships as girls do. And I think, you know, you're unique in that you bring in a different perspective. So I think what I like the most about you is your, your the way you're so liberal, even just like, you know, I, I've only met you on, on Twitter, but you know, the way that you, you say, you say, you say it like it is, we are tuna, I guess, like what your boss is saying. <laughs> you bring it to the table. There is no second guessing who you are, you know? And I really admire that because, you know, it's, it takes, I don't know what it takes, but you know, whatever it takes, you've got it. Um, to kind of just really be like, you know what, this is, these are my thoughts, this is who I am. And this is the way that I think. So it's really quite good to have you um to have you today thank you i'm such a huge fan and i was so excited net i think called me on is it friday and then first of all net was afraid to call me and i'm like ah so cool and then i'm like i'm not that scary <laughs> i thought we are friends <laughs> And then yeah I told her I'm very excited because I'm a fan of the podcast and I have been listening and I enjoy it. So thank you very much for bringing me to the to the space. I hope I'm going to learn a lot and yeah it's going to be fun. Yes, no, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and you know we'll talk about the 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 call that I made. But actually so today we're recording on the 17th of May. Um it will the podcast will come out a bit later on. But I actually didn't realize that the 17th of May is the International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia and Biphobia. Um so I just thought, oh, you know, like when I say it on Juni can we record on Monday? Like I literally had not thought about that. Um well, I did not know. I only found out today. So I just thought, you know, it's 
aligned perfectly in 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 my view and that's obviously one of the reasons why we wanted you to come on because you speak so passionately about these issues and your lived experience and I know we talked about your name but just to kind of set the scene I just wanted to give you the floor to be like okay who is Taviso you know what are the many different hats that Taviso wears uh, what are you passionate about I know that's always I, I always hate that question when people are like who is Natasha but indulge us who is Taviso you um I'm a lot of things, a very complex human being, a happy, complex being. So my name is Tabi Sonjuni Tabi Star. I'm a communications geek by day. I'm a communications practitioner. I'm an activist. I am, yeah, I'm a feminist. I'm, um, I love, I'm a, I love the sound of African drums. You play it anywhere. I go crazy. My world stops for African drums. Just for the sound. And see, I love them. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm a queer lesbian and I'm from Zim, Blauayo in particular. And I'm not at home right now. I migrated to South Africa. I'm based in Cape Town. So yeah, that's that's me, a kind of a Debele left an African Debele left-handed lesbian woman who is quite on the minority in a whole lot of aspects, but who's always fighting and advocating for equal rights, because I do believe that by virtue of being here. I am entitled to human rights, and so I will always fight and advocate for people to live their lives to the fullest because they are entitled to that. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get into it. I just wanted us to start with the the, the journey, right? Um, because I love the fact that, you know, you've said who you are, what you're passionate about, passionate about drums. We'll come back to that because it sounds like we share Ngungu Bay <laughs> sort of story. I, I have a feeling it's the same person. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. No, you are joking. Natasha, no, we will not mention names, but I have a feeling it's the same person. I have I seen them. Natasha, a embassy. What are you doing? I'm going to go to the house. I'm going to go to the so... Listen, it, it, it could be the same person because Indoleyama drums did just start in London. <laughs> he must have started in somewhere. But 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 no, okay. So just 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 getting into it, right? Yeah. Um you say that you're queer, you're lesbian. So I want to talk about that journey, right? That journey of uh, I don't even know if I can say journey of discovery. Like when did you sort of realize that this is who I am you know this is who I am attracted to one and then secondly like when did you get to a point where you were comfortable to sort of publicly share that so everyone in my life knew before I did my family did know and my friends knew I was the last one to know I just was in denial or <laughs> I wasn't in denial. It was a truth that 
I couldn't see. It was in my face, but I couldn't. So I grew up, I, when I was growing up, I used to like be a tomboy. I would play professional soccer, I wore boys' clothes. And I, in, in, in preschool, I was, I was usually punished for trying to use the boys' bathroom. So, so, but then I, I grew up and then when I was growing up, I think um, everyone in my family could see it besides me. And then I didn't date throughout high school. Everyone was dating until a level I dated this guy, I fell madly in love with him. Also, I think, but in our relationship between the two of us, he could always say, but there's something that's not clicking, um, you know? And then, then for a while after that, went to uni. And then one day my sister says to me, um, I need you to go for a workshop. Sexual Rights Center, it's a, a law-based NGO that looks at sexual rights and health reproductive rights. So they were bringing in queer people. It was a training. I don't remember, but I think it was human rights. And then my sister was like, can you go? It was my sister's way of saying, I want you to meet other people like you. You know what? I was open-minded. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. But when I got there, I was like, this feels familiar. This feels like home. This feels like me, like I feel at home. Immediately I made friends, got people's numbers. And, you know, and then after that, so because I made friends, I started bringing them home. Some of them were openly queer, like your butch lesbians. And when, when I'll bring them home, my mom, I remember one day, I brought my friend home and my mom ran straight to my sister in the, in the kitchen. And she was like, so she, my mom couldn't see I was behind her. She couldn't see that I'm looking at my, my sister is looking at me and my mom is in the middle facing that way. And my mom was saying, ye girlfriend, Gasta, hale, ye girlfriend, Gasta. And my sister is like, Mbuzi, she's behind you. Then I was like, no, this is my friend. And then one day I had a sleepover with a friend who was braiding my hair. My brother came in so excited. He's like, is that your girlfriend? Finally, I said, I would tell you know? And I'm like, no. So everyone in my family was kind of excited for me to come out. And they were trying to be excited. And then when they did that, then, then one day I, I met somebody and... I was like, okay. And I immediately asked them out and they were like, yeah. And then instead of me actually telling my family I'm dating a girl and I'm interested in women, I pulled back. I went back into the closet, locked that door, had the, you know, your first true, the first cut is the deepest kind of vibes, broke my heart and all that. And I felt all that pain and I grew in those ways on my own until I guess, until I was actually bullied. So one of my friends was sexually harassed by a lecturer at NAST. So I was working for a law firm and um, a human rights NGO. So one of the, like, because I'm also a communications person, we did like 16 phases of gender-based violence. One of the videos was on systematic violence where institutions harbor or protect predators. So one of, one of those videos was actually my friend who was detailing how 
the university had, instead of the university protecting her, what they had done is they delayed her thesis. They were like, oh, since this person had, we are pulling you back from, you know, taking your degree, we are investigating. It meant my friend had to be at home for a year where she could have graduated and did that. And when she tried to go through the process, she, she, it was a terrible experience for her. So because I was, I was there and so it became, so when my friend was being harassed and bullied, I also got that somebody opened a Facebook account. I know who it is. They're very popular on Twitter as well. They opened a Facebook account where they put that, oh, Star, star and my friend they are queer they are dating of course so if we are queer that actually means we wouldn't be with the you know so that argument anyway was flawed because my friend had been harassed so but they, they were trying to shift the blame and it worked because what happened was everyone just turned people i knew people who were close people i was working with everyone was like oh so you are gay so you are a lesbian and that became that. I remember I was presenting, it was a conference and my sister was there. So everyone was going to my sister and was like, and that is what they were saying. And my sister didn't know what was happening. And my sister is trying to busy organize everything. And my sister just calls me and says, everyone keeps on saying this to me, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. And somebody eventually says, well, you're on Facebook somebody wrote this this was said about you so I say to my sister I for me that was the moment where I owned it and I say to my sister this is true I'm a lesbian but I'm not dating my friend I've never dated my friend I stand by my friend she was harassed that is the truth and this person is trying to deviate from the truth and so I was actually outed so that is how I got yeah it got to be known I was outed Oh, thanks for sharing that. I am curious in regards to, you know, you, you described like a bit of a, a safe space for you when you came out, right? So, you know, like your friends knew, your family knew, right? And I think that's, that is something that, you know, a question for later. But I'm, I'm always curious to know, like, what your high, like your high school experience was. And being like, a, like, you know, I, and I talk from my own experience of being like, you know, a, a a teenage mom, for example, and I had to go back to school. And I was that person that, you know, people used to talk about teenage pregnancies behind people who were, the, do you know what I mean? Uh, behind, pe- behind the mothers of uh, these children. We had the teenage mothers. So, yeah. and I remember growing up and I'm just now thinking, I don't know if we were, we were at the same, before the same, what about the same age? I'm not sure. But I remember um, at school, when especially like I went to Evelyn and there was a lot of there was always a lot of chat. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of chat, right? Like with, especially amongst the boarders. And um, I remember there was one particular girl who was very much a tomboy um, and all this. And behind her back, people always used to have these conversations about, oh, you know, she's lesbian. But she actually never came out and said that, you know what, this is this is who I am or this is this is I'm interested in women. But I think there was almost that kind of, I don't know how to explain it, but there was almost this kind of, um, not an attitude towards her, but there was, there, was, there was that other, you know, she was the other, you know, and I, I, I use it to kind of, I, I'm talking about the teenage pregnancy because 
that was, I was the other. So I was the person who they talked about behind my back, behind my back. So did you ever experience something like that? And how, what was that like for you in school, particularly? So, so the thing with me is I was the last person to know. Even my friends in high school could see that there's something, but no one, I think they could see what it was. Like, it just came across as she's a feminist. So it always came across as, oh, I want to buy my human rights. So it was never, because I was also not clear i didn't know like i was the last one to know because i did the whole so so with me i think what happened was when i played professional football it was early days primary yeah so i did the tomboy thing i was in primary so then high school when when i started to go into high school so i could see the people i played with football they were being harassed when we were going home and all that so i think i internalized that and i dropped like I dropped parts of me and I kind of, kind of had to survive. So I, my mom, I always had long hair. So I started wearing dresses and, and so when I got into high school, I kind of fit in in quotes like, so, but there was always something that everyone could pinpoint to say this. And so that was my journey. And, but from my experience with people that I played football with, I knew exactly what that meant. Even though if they were not queer, I could see people being, you know, the harassment, the homophobia, I could see it so much. So I think when I internalized the homophobia, what it meant was I had to dress like a femme, be a girl in courts again, dress like be a femme and then, um, so th that was the experience for me. So in high school, what you could say is I didn't live my truth. I just survived through it all. And then, yeah. No, this is really interesting for me because like hearing, because I'm also thinking about school, right? That you would, there would be chat that, oh, so-and-so, um, and, and again, like when I went to Evelyn, like for my A-levels and stuff, it would be like, oh, so-and-so, or you'd hear stuff about, oh, in St. James, like all the sort of like girls type school, like you'd always hear chatter, you'd hear stuff like at boys school, like, oh, Esirene, they're doing ABC. Um, and I think only like the point that, like, it, it, it's just interesting because sometimes you just passively listen, like, and you're, you're not realizing that you're also kind of internalizing those kind of pressure because you're you're hearing and then these people are others and you're kind of like oh you know what's going on with them but i wanted to go back to the fact that you were kind of bullied to come out which like is just horrible um and i actually did not Uti, that happened in zim big and and i guess because there was a question that i had wanted to ask about because there's a few people that I know, you know, um, who have been more comfortable to like say, this is who I am outside of them, right? Either, you know, this is who I am or to really like fully discover and be like, actually, yeah, like this is who I am outside of them. So with that experience, like, like was, was there a community that maybe came out and was supportive I just want to know like how that was like, cause I know I can imagine the homophobia, right? Like that outright, but was there a community that came out 
yeah, what was that like? Were they like a silent community? Like, yeah. So the reason I'm smiling is because I have amazing friends in Zim from, like I said, SRC. So SRC is an NGO. It's now an umbrella board. It has like Volvo, which is an organization for lesbians, bi and transgender people. So everyone there, so for some reason, because I think by then I was, I was small. I, okay, I, I, I looked vulnerable, I guess. And so everyone used to try to protect me. And so when I came out, I remember when that happened, I remember I had to go back to work and they came to fetch me at work, buy me drinks and be there. So I've always had amazing group of friends who have always gone out of their way to make sure that I'm okay. So when that happened and my sister was like, oh, okay. So my sister is that person with one or two lines. Like, oh, okay. All right. And then later, I sent And she's like, hmm, so long why we are Lapan. I mean, she just wanted to know. And I'm like, and I'm like, but I thought you knew because you always leave us, right? When that person would come to our house, you go to your room, one, two, and you all you are the one that sent me to SRC. You kind of just like, yeah, we knew, but then there was a point where we thought you weren't. So we were like, oh, maybe she's not so. Well, this comes as a surprise to us. So so my family had to go through a journey of knowing before me and then I had to lie to them and and like dismantle all that they thought they knew. And then they they had a point where they thought I'm straight. And then when I was coming out and everyone's like, but we thought, you know, so they also had to like, but we knew, but then you dismantled. So because when 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 I was dismantling all that, it, that was also me fighting the, the internalized homophobia. Like I had had a lot of experiences of people in my world that were harassed, bullied, and lots of danger had happened to them. It was also me trying to like uh, protect like some of the benefits of walking or privileges of walking in this world as a cis hetero woman. Like I wanted uh, like. I had to, and also be the fear of saying if I come out, what will my parents say? Like, what will my siblings say? How will that affect me? So I had a lot of internalized homophobia that I needed to deal with. And so when I did that and then when I came out, that was I didn't exactly come out someone outed me and then I had to just sit down with everybody and say, well, it's true. And then, yeah, I had to walk that journey with them. And like, so timeline, like, oh, sorry, Koli. Um, timeline, like how, how old were you in like, like what year, when are we talking? So when I was, so when I was outed, she would be, so I started dating women uh, when I was 20, 20 21. And then when I was outed, I should have been 23, 24. 23, I think, yeah. Okay. You're avoiding, you're avoiding when? Because you don't want us to add up your age. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Next question, please. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, you know, I think it sounds to me like your family has was 
you know, a key factor in that they had probably by the time you had you came out, they had already accepted that this was was who you are. So you kind of almost joined by the time you were ready to kind of face that, okay, so this is this is this is what I like, this is who I like, and this is who I am. And they were already there, ready to accept you. And I think that's beautiful. You know, we don't you don't hear a lot of um, especially, you know, especially from Zimbabwe. And again, this is me wearing my rose tinted glasses and being um, not very knowledgeable in uh, in that subject. So not in that subject, in, in that area from Zimbabwe, from a Zimbabwean point of view, because I have to be honest in that I grew up in a very Christian household. So there was never a time to actually explore that side, which, you know, um, you were never given that option of, oh, okay, this might be who you are. You know, it was, there was no dating allowed then, of course. You know, there was, there was no dating allowed. And I think the only time that you heard about, you, you never heard about love in relationships where there was same sex. It was always it, it condemned. So it's, if, if I can use that word, that, you know, you can't have a relationship with the same person. Every time... Um, the word lesbian or lesbian was used, it was almost in a very, it wasn't in a nice manner. And it was only when I came here and out of Zimbabwe and you get to know, and this is where you get to know people for who they are. And people will put that at the forefront and be like, okay, so my name is, and you know, I am, this is, these, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm into. And this is what I like, you know? So I, my, my question, I suppose is in, Comparing Zimbabwe and maybe South Africa, like what is the difference like right now? Is are things different? Are things better? Because I know we still have that same mindset. We're still in a very paternalistic country. We're still in a society that is very much, um, I don't know, very much into Christianity. And I think we we seem to use the Christianity that doesn't um, promote same-sex relationships. Whereas here, this. Christianity involves that, but I feel like in Zimbabwe, it's not quite the same. So I'm just wondering if you can maybe compare and contrast what South Africa and Zimbabwe was like or is like. <laughs> so, let me, so, okay. So like coming out or in my, like, I mean, I, I, I didn't come out. I came out to, to people that were close to me, everyone else I haven't. But when I, so there was a time where I needed to confirm with my mother to say, are we on the same page? Can you hear me? Because my mom knew and she had accepted it, but she, it wasn't something that we were talking about. So I wanted to talk about it as much as we will talk about my brother's girlfriend. So I wanted that conversation about me to be on the table. And so what happened was my mom freaked out. She took a step back and she freaked out. And then I was like, why are you freaking out? And she said, what will they say? So with my family, their issue, everybody, all of them, like my mom and my sister, their issue was like, what will they say? And my mom was like, I'm a single mom. Your dad's family will say this is this, you know? And she had her fears. What will my siblings say? What will the community say? And then I took a step back and I say to her, the community can say whatever they want. You're still going to tell them, who I am, I have not changed. I'm still the daughter that you tell them is successful, who's in Cape Town, who's doing, 
you know, who's going to school, who's doing a lot of good things, who's, you know, and it, it's, that is also part of me. So nothing changes. But in terms of you dealing with people in your life and how they affect you in terms of that, that is your journey to walk. So I say to her, I can be with you because I will be empathetic to understand that people in your generation, there's going to be a lot of backlash, homophobia. So I am very empathetic. I'm understanding and I will walk with you. But that is not my journey to walk. I have my own battles that I'm fighting in, about the same issue, about the same thing. So the two, are, are, they might be the same, but we're walking different journeys. Like, so you need to walk it. You need to stand by me as your child. You need to tell them the same people that you have been telling that I bought you whatever and they have been saying that she's an amazing kid are the same people that you're going to tell is the same child that bought whatever you know whatever you use as a stick to say my daughter is the best use the same yard nothing changes so she had to walk her journey and she's still walking her journey however she decides but what we know is with me it's a conversation that we have had and we're comfortable. She has met some of my exes and she's given me advice about women. She's like, Danam Banum Chiwa. So Luana <laughs> Um And then Yeah, I, I I yeah, I was so distraught about somebody and my mom had been seeing it go on and on that that person was taking me for a ride and my mom was like, You deserve better. I need you to put your head up and for you to realize that you are shortchanging yourself, you deserve better. Let it go. Let them go. Wow. I love your mom, man. <laughs> so, yeah, that happened. But in terms of essay and Zim and the differences, the sad part is as much as it has been, it's legalized in essay, people can get married. What's happening on the ground, as we see with the stats, people being killed, is not what's on paper. People are being killed because of their sexual orientation. In Zim, it's happening. People are being harassed. People are being bullied. So I was telling Ned that the other day I said, this issue also comes down to policy, policymakers and how they frame it and how it's framed. In Zim, it is a cheap shot to get political votes. Oh, Tinasoze, Sivumela, and all those words are used. They arm people. They arm people with violence. So policymakers, and they only categorize sexual orientation to who you sleep with, which is very much, it's very bigger than that. It's deeper than that because sexual orientation is much more than who you sleep with. It's right to identity, right to health, because there were times when you were supposed to bring your partner, for example, to test for HIV. People couldn't do that. Access to health, access to all rights, because with rights, you cannot have one without the other. So the more that policymakers actually just try to zone it into who you sleep with, the more they take away people's rights. And that is the problem with Zim. People, you find that the gay community, the queer community has been sidelined in so many issues, access to education, access to health, access to identity. I was talking about issues, for example, trans people in Zimbabwe, because you cannot change your gender marker in your ID. That means that 
what you look like and what your ID looks like is totally different. We have had experiences where people cannot access services simply as like opening a bank account because it's totally different. People cannot go to the hospital, anything that requires an ID. So you have a whole community because of the homophobia and transphobia that has been left behind. Opportunities, they cannot get access to opportunities. They cannot get work because of their sexual uh, orientation as well as their gender identity. So you are finding that those are the challenges that are happening. And because in Zim, you have two major political parties that are still pushing this narrative, you are finding that queer people in Zimbabwe are, str are struggling in the sense that they are failing and they are continuously having to fight for their humanity, which is like an essay. It might be legalized, but continuously we see people every day waking up fighting for their humanity. It's a fight. So every day you have to continuously try to appeal to people's humanity, but which is unfair, which is not right. So the state does have a mandate to protect, promote and protect people's human rights, and the state is not doing that at all. In SA, they might have legalized it, but we know with police, it's not just about writing it down. You need to go to communities. You need to make the community aware. The same policies that are supposed to protect people should also come from people. People should know about them. People should be able to say, own them. These are our policies, protect them. So that's the difference in SA. The policy might be there, but no one is actually going to the community to protect and actually advocate for the community to own this, you know, this policy. In Zim, there are no policies. People are still being excluded. It's the other. So those we might be fighting the same from different countries, but the fight is the same. Every day, people are continuously fighting for their humanity. Mm. I, I just wanted us to like, just stay on that, on the essay versus Zim, right? Yeah. Um, because like you said, we had a conversation and I've been thinking about the conversation that we had on the podcast with Dr. Ngosana Moy, right? About... Um, APA's stance, which is one of the political parties. Um, so I'll, I'll just go back to the SA versus Zim, because just, just as, as an observer, right, it always feels like South Africa is a little bit more liberal. And obviously what's powerful is that you have people that we look up to, that we love, right, that are openly out. And the the, the fact that, you know, there's, there's policies and laws that make it, you know, um, illegal to cause harm if, if that makes sense so if you are subject to a homophobic attack right yes maybe the community may not be but then if you go to the police they should protect you right i mean that's basic whereas versus zim right we we don't even have that because in zim certain acts are still criminalized right but again this is my lay understanding and not being steeped in, in the community, right? I've always sort of felt like with Zim, and maybe let me say Wulaya, because that's probably where I've kind of spent more time. It always feels like, you know, it's 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 almost like a don't ask, don't tell, if, you know, like kind of like the American don't ask, don't tell. But I I want to think that people wouldn't be as physically harmful as they are in South Africa. I don't know if I'm making sense, Although like in Zim, we don't have the, 
which is an issue, right? Because you need to have the laws because it starts from there because then that way you have the protection of the police, of the state, ETC. And that's something that, that the political parties need to work on. But I just wanted to start with the, how, like which place feels better to just walk around? I don't know if, if I'm making sense. That was my question. Yeah. Uh, in terms of walking around, uh, let's see. So, so I, I, I think because um, in Zim, I have, I had a community with me, but definitely will go to spaces where the homophobia is terrible and we will leave. Essay, essay for me, um, I have dated people, I've managed to kiss people outside, like the building manager has, it will be like, oh, you know, so I have had that experience. I don't think I would have had that experience in Zim. So in essay, I have had the experience of walking and holding my partner's hand. In Zim, I remember handbag and here, like you can openly go and be like, if Mali say club and you're holding, which was different, a different experience altogether in Zim. So that for me, yes, definitely the apex to being an essay, you kind of can experience and enjoy it. Whereas Zim claims they are conservative, but we've all seen the, what they like. They're not conservative. They're just rowdy and homophobic. And so you couldn't do that in Zim. So yeah, so they, there was a whole lot of homophobia. Yeah, so I, it, it's said that there's only so little of joy between the two that you can compare to say, well, this is better because in essay, as much as you can enjoy, there's also that fear of being killed. As much as also in Zim, you can enjoy, there's also the fear of violence because there has been violence. People have been beaten up in clubs where I've been in because of their sexual orientation. So violence comes with people when people decide to say your sexual orientation or your or how you look like and what we want is not what we are seeing and therefore we will harm you, which is homophobia. You know, I think thank you for kind of going for giving that um that's that layer because again it's 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 something that I'm sure happens a lot like in terms of the the, the violence and in, in both South Africa, Zimbabwe and all the other places in the world as well. Um, but it's really quite, you know, it, it it almost humanizes it because the honest truth is we hear about these attacks and then when it's like uh, I stand with so and so because that person has maybe been um, has been killed or has been beaten up um, because of their sexual orientation. So for you to kind of maybe even explain that, you know, there's that fear that people have, you know, because again, down to the policymakers and the words that they use to kind of promote their, to promote politics or to promote um, getting the power that they need to be in politics. I think it's quite, I mean, for me, it, it, it is quite, it's, it's quite eye-opening. And I hate to say that because you, it, that should be the same for, for everybody, but you just automatically assume that we are all um, we are all at the kind of the same level. And I think this is what living maybe in this in in, in that's that is what living in the West has done to me because you just assume that everybody is having thriving relationships where there is literally you know yes there's going to be fear about um, 
domestic abuse, et cetera, et cetera. But you you don't think about the other side of who you're going to get beaten up because of your sexual, of who you're with or who you're holding hands with or who you're kissing on the street. You know, so I think it's quite nice that you do that in there. So thank you for that. Yeah. And um, let's talk about the, the, the politics side of it. You know, I can't help myself. Politics. <laughs> well, Nash and I have that in common. We love politics. We, we... Before you, can you indulge me in... Um, okay. In, uh, okay, maybe actually we'll do it after the politics because it'll be a little bit more lighthearted. Okay. Are you sure? Because, Jono, the pandemic, it cuts across. <laughs> because there is nothing lighthearted about Jono, the pandemic. <laughs> I want to know more about that. I want to know, like, how... Showing us flames. Huh? Showing us flames. Well, we'll get into it. Okay, okay, no, quick. No, so... So... Judy, right? Because because I know, like on social media, you've you've really kind of, I've it's been interesting for me because I've seen you like really raise your voice, and I I've seen you find your voice. I feel just like as as someone observing you, right? Um, okay, a, a little aside because I don't. Do you remember like how you first told me how I found out? So, so first of all, totally. So I've known Nat like before, like we're chatting in the DMs just is because Nat was one of the few people in the LA Twitter and yeah. And then Nat started the whole store was going to remember that hashtag. I don't remember. I love with that. <laughs> and then who I met opened this group. What Jigelum final moon? <laughs> Mina, ah, and then it left. And then I talked to that guy, oh, Shalang, like, what, what, what? Then I win box net and I say, Net, I'm a lesbian. What's this guy doing my inbox? And then it's like, oh. <laughs> that is hilarious, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. So we always laugh about it. I, I hope that guy found somebody. He seemed interesting. Probably, probably the same guy that she dated. Yeah, Well, I mean, when you've now told me, what am I supposed to do with this store that needs attending? <laughs> So, no, no. so 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 yeah so so that was fun i put them in a group and whatever <laughs> but anyway I, i'm very sure he's doing very fine causing havoc in the streets um okay so and um, like i said i've kind of seen you sort of I, I feel like you've become more confident because when you told me you know, at the time, you know, I'm sure like people knew, but you were not like on social media. It was not because for me, I think there was a time when there was a thread, right? Where it was like a queer thread or whatever. And people were posting their pictures. And I remember you posted your picture. And for me, I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, sometimes you watch people and you're like, she's really like owning this. And I felt so like for me, it was like, Oh, like I, I was like a proud mom. 
I was like, this, this is who she is. Um, and I always say to you, right, which is why I wanted to bring you on. And I always say to you, you speak so articulately, articulately about these issues, uh, you're on point. So one of the things that um, I think kind of, you know, I, I, I observed, right, was Fatai Maher, who is the MTC spokesperson, right? So you asked a question, like what their stance is on, I believe you asked about same-sex marriage, which you still haven't received a response to. Um, but then what came from that was just obviously all, all the, I think it just created a, a conversation um, and parts of it honestly were was quite disgusting and really kind of showed the extent of the homophobia, right? So you had like the homophobia and then you had people that are supportive of the opposition party sort of coming out to say, you know, you're not helping the cause. Let's focus on bread and butter issues um, and all that stuff. And then what happened, just my observation, is then there was an evolution where people were like, oh, what about APA and Dr. Nkosana Moyo's party, right? You know, maybe that's a more progressive sort of better um, option because we know that Nelson Chamisa has come out and sort of said he's, I think... <laughs> He's, he, I'm not sure the words he's actually used, but he's definitely been like, yeah, no, I'm not supportive, right? Yes. He agrees with Mkabe on that one. That's one thing where he's like, you know, yes, I agree with Robert. So, yeah. And, and actually, which is, a, which is quite a step back from even more, from Morgan Swangirai. Because I think, I, I forget exactly what Morgan Swangirai's stance was, but I, I think he was more about, you know, you did, like there's, it, you know, like, because for example, I think I forget the wording in the constitution. So for example, like even the constitution still talks about sodomy, right? And it's criminalized, which is an issue that should be removed, right? Yes. So the constitution in Zimbabwe talks about same-sex marriages. So there are no same-sex marriages. And then we have the criminal code and codification act which is a statute that talks about sodomy and says men. So it criminalizes men that sleeps with a man. And so sodomy in Zimbabwe is criminalized, meaning if, for example, a police officer decided to raid two men having sex in their bedroom, he could consensual sex, he could still get them arrested. So that is the problem in Zim. So that is the only thing that is criminalized sodomy. So they are... and and the constitution prohibits people of the same sex getting married. But in terms of everything else, there is nothing that talks about, you know, anything else. But the problem is because the constitution says no to marriage of the people of the same sex. What I was saying is because how human rights are by their characteristics is you cannot enjoy one without the other. So it means if, because marriage, if I cannot be, if I cannot get married to my partner legally, then it means there are consequences. I was talking, I, I remember I once wrote a thread about how, so I have friends, for example, that have had same sex relationships with kids. Somebody has had children for 14, 20 years, their partner dies. Maybe the birth parent dies. 
And then what happens is maybe that child, they have raised that child maybe for 14 years. What will happen is the birth parents will come and get the child. The birth parents will come and get the furniture and say, but you're not the parent. There is no law that protects queer couples from such instances. So you have raised a child that is your child, but you lose ownership of them because the law does not protect. So you see how one right is actually affects the other it affects and also issues of inheritance, also issues of property. How will you even go and you know fight for the estate? You cannot even get your name on the death certificate to say I was in a partnership with this person. So that is how it all affects so you, you find that because the constitution, it, the way it's set up, we are continuously seeing queer people in Zimbabwe losing. So it's always a losing battle because the policies, the laws do not align issues of inheritance. You know, all these things are coming up and continuously people are losing. So when, when I raised that with Fadzai about issue of same sex, because that is the policy document that that is what the constitution talks about it wasn't an issue to say because about me having a relationship with another woman it doesn't need to be on a document to say oh people should date each other that's not a document it's not a policy position the policy position is marriage and that is why i was asking to say but what is your stance as the mdc because i need you to explain it to me because I know that is the issue on the constitution and I did receive a response. I did receive a response, not from them, but I did receive a response from people that support the MTC who are very homophobic on that thread. And I have continuously witnessed every time you raise it, you could raise it with one of any of the political leaders of the MDC, you raise it on their threats, homophobia. There will be a lot of homophobia. And what they have done is they've cultivated by their silence a culture of homophobia and transphobia. And I was telling you the other day, Nat, to say when people say the youths in Zimbabwe, there is voter apathy. I don't have voter apathy. I don't have a party that supports me. They, who will I go and vote? Because apathy means lack of interest. I am interested in voting for somebody. I'm interested in removing the ZANU-PF, but who will I place them with? The party that continuously watches people threaten us, people that threaten to rape us, people that threaten to murder us, people that call us names, people that, that actually violate our human dignity because that is that is what we see continuously so that is why i asked fatai because that is a policy that the mtc is in charge of and when the mtc and when other people say it but let's let's be hush hush about this so that we actually remove zanu pf they have, one how can you be hush hush about somebody's life because how many years have we been waiting? Have we been waiting? The MDC has been the biggest political party in Zimbabwe since 2000. How long have we been waiting? One. Two, waiting also means we are putting our lives on hold. We are putting our lives, we are, we are growing up. We are putting our lives on hold. We are putting the lives of our children, the lives of everybody on hold, which is unfair. I was talking about how queer people do not have access to job opportunities. You cannot go and, you know, and ask, you cannot because they have 
accepted and they've created together with ZANU-PF holding each other by the hand created this homophobic society that continuously makes queer people lose. So when you talk about, oh, let's wait, why should other people wait? And how long will they wait and why? Because when you say wait, you are saying my, my humanity is not important enough. For example, I want to use the example of EFF in South Africa. EFF will fight Afrophobia. They do not care if you vote for them or not. They will tell you, we do not need your vote if you are being xenophobic, right? So why is the, because if MDC today is going to compromise our queer rights, tomorrow they are going to compromise any other minority right at the sake of winning. We cannot, and I always say, that for me shows that they are willing to be unethical. They are willing to put lives on the line to win. So if you are putting, how many lives of or lives, lives on the line are you putting? So that so now you are stuck with Zanu PF because Zanu PF will always be homophobic. Zanu PF will be Zanu PF. I want Zanu PF out. It's true, but. MDC has not given us anything for, to vote for them. And it's not voter apathy that's not making me not vote. There's no alternative. As for Ngosana, honestly, I do not understand his stance. I feel like, yeah, so I don't understand his stance. If he does not want to meet people where people are saying, meet us where we are, we want leaders to come to us. And he's saying people should come to so he's already not listening to what people want. So I do not want to vote for another leader who doesn't want to listen to what people have to say. Okay. But I wanted to unpack because what Nkosana Moyo says, right, when you hear him, um, and what I've always thought was very interesting about the way APA responds is they, 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 they do it in a seemingly elegant way, but doing the same thing as to me as, as MTC, right? So the question, I think someone else asked them the question. We asked them the question, asked Dr. Nkosanamoy the question when he came here. So the point that he said, there's aspects of it that, okay, I get. So it's the people versus the politics point, right? Because his point is, um, or if you look at the UK, if you look at America, if you look at other countries, the people are always ahead of the politics, right? And then the politics aligns. And then he gives examples of, you know, like, for example, when Obama was running first time round, um, you know, with same sex marriage, I think he was like, oh, I'm for everyone should have a, a right. But, you know, he he, he didn't commit to the, the marriage point. Right. When you listen to Obama speak now, it's not because he didn't he didn't agree with it. It was a political, it was, it was politically expedient to sort of, you know, sidestep that issue and then it aligns. So what Dr. Nkosana Moya says is that the, 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 the people should, so the society should progress and evolve in such a way that the politics, you know, then, then you know, follows. And okay, UK probably same thing happened where the, the, the society was more progressive. America, same thing. However, you have examples of like Botswana where they did the, um, you know, the Supreme Court um, 
oh, and I think it was the decriminalization issue. Um, I think Angola has done the same thing, seashells. So there's quite a few SATA countries um, that have at the very basic, you know, like we talked about, like in Zim, like that the constitution has the prohibition and then the criminal, the criminal code. That shouldn't be there. <laughs> you know, it, 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 like, it just shouldn't be there. But I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, because I know you're like a policy person, you consult and all that as well. How, how do you square this? Because you have a society that is, you know, for whatever reason, you know, is, is, is very, very behind. And then you have a politics that is unwilling. It, how, how do we move it forward if, if there is even an answer? I... I'm at a point with Zim where I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I remember the decriminalization of sex work. We were there lobbying, we were there fighting. But so, the, you know, even with policy, how it's framed where you have like thought leaders, you have people that set the agenda, you have your political leaders, you have your church, you have your school, you have all these societal pillars that help shape all of them. And one thing that I also want to say is the problem is with Zim politics is they fuel the homophobia. No one, absolutely no one, absolutely no one is asking them, no one asked you. But you know, when you say that, you're going to get the hooray, you're going to get the points, it's a cheap shot, you get the votes. But your votes come at a price. Your votes, when you say, I think in go China's food is double, come at a price. They come at a price because that means my life is threatened. So yes, at a superficial, you're on stage, you're saying it, it looks glamorous, you are getting the numbers. But what it means on the ground is, Star can no longer walk safely because someone that people look up to has endorsed the hate. Someone has said it's okay to hate you because of your orientation. It's right. I have endorsed it. So that is what happens. So they are endorsing it by continuously taking cheap shots. Also, it's a cheap vote. So, but when when the consequence is on the ground, you have people be being continuously violated. You have people continuously being sidelined. You have people's lives at stake. And the other day we were talking about, for example, you said, oh, Tavi, why don't a lot of people in Zoom, queer people start their podcasts? And I say to Ned, there are, there are no opportunities, accessibility. That is where you see when someone says, how it, it, it flows down. Accessibility in terms of right to education, right to work, for example, you cannot go out there and start looking for work. They are going, are the government offices open enough? I had friends that were working for the youth department and those were one of the major reasons that they were fired. You will find there were so many things that will be said, people will be frustrated and people eventually got out of government opportunities. People could not because homophobia was trickling in. Issues, for example, Wi-Fi is said to be free at the post office. I have had a couple of people that have said, oh, Tabi, we cannot even look at your email. So sometimes we have groups 
WhatsApp groups where we kind of come together. We, we maybe it's a workshop. We do it on WhatsApp, and you people are not online. And you ask where are people? People do not have data. People do not have airtime. But sometimes when you have a similar setup and you ask maybe the youths, cis heterosexual youths, they can go to the post office. But queer people can't go to the post office because when they get to the home, the post office, they are met with homophobia and therefore they cannot access those services. So when a political leader says, it fluctuates to the ground and people on the ground are continuously losing. And that is what happens. There is nothing. So you continuously find people fighting the little money that NGOs are already giving us. We are fighting for that money. That's the only opportunity that queer people are still trying to grab by the, you know. So that is the sad part because when politicians, it's a, it's a cheap shot. It gets them votes. We know what it is. It gets them votes. But on the ground, you have people suffering because of those comments and remarks. Can I ask, like, you know, a question in regards to the people and the politics? Do you think that we are at a stage where without the, 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 the cheap shots that have been fired with people saying, you know, with all the homophobic words and sentiments that is out there, if that wasn't there, like if that wasn't there from a political level, do you think the people themselves are a little bit more, um, I guess, accepting as well. Like, because I think there's two things. I think there is definitely from the political angle where you're getting like the words filtering down to the people. But if that wasn't there, do you think the people themselves are now at a stage where they're like, okay, you know what? Like, have we progressed enough in Zimbabwe is my question. I... I don't know. Hey, like you get communities that are so progressive, like Mina from Lao, I stay in Pumula and we had openly queer folks and everyone will be like, Uzbani. we protect Uzbani, you know, and we knew all of us, we knew and we were like, and then they live their life. But at the same time, as much you, it's just like in any society, you get a group of people that have progressed enough. For example, on Twitter, I have met a lot of people we have continuously fought for me. Sometimes somebody will be in my DM to say, we appreciate you, thank you. We just wanted to say we're here. You find people who are saying, you continuously teach me something new or because you say that I went to do this and I'm doing this and I'm changing this way. And you also find your regular homophobic people that are hating. So every community, every community has those people and I don't know with Zim where we are. I do not want to speak on behalf of Zim continuously because I'm no longer there. So I hope things are different and people are progressing. That's only like, I hope things are getting better. Um, and then just one last in this space, just the, the digital space, right? Yeah, because I think there's there's this digital community that you know as Zimbabweans were we're, we're were forming even you know along marginalized tribal lines. You know we talked about Debele Twitter and all that stuff. So you have people all around the world who may be physically in Zimbabwe, 
you know, have have not have felt oppressed to varying degrees, right? And I think also the, the Zim queer community, because I think we're having this very interesting sort of mashup of, you know, uh, Zimbabweans and then also some people who are first gen, second gen, you know, like these young 20, 21 year olds who are, you know, born outside of Zim, but, and, and obviously they, they're, they're coming from a totally different space, which is much, very much like, hell no, <laughs> like, who are you? And they're very vocal. So it, it, in, in, in a sort of way, I think, although we don't have the answers, it it does feel like there is some progress, although it's not yet clear what the roadmap is, but the fact that we're having this conversation. But, so I just wanted to kind of get your view just from sort of like the queer digital space, how you think that's growing and yeah, just, just any thoughts about what that space is? Um, the First of all, the sad part about it is the queer digital space is missing a lot of queer people from Zoom by fact that they cannot access online opportunities. Like I said, people are unemployed, people do not have access to Wi-Fi or the internet. So it's, a, it's difficult for a lot of people to actually get into that space and enjoy the benefits that come with being online. And that is where we talk about the issue of the digital divide. The digital divide is affecting queer people. So that, first of all, that's that. So we have a lot of queer, queer people that are not accessing the internet because of issues of resources. The second one is issues of the laws and policies and harassment. When we started using the internet, there were a lot of, for example, the other day I posted that uh, there was a um, lesbian visibility day and they were in Victoria Falls. And somebody said, oh, so where exactly are they? That person, they were asking because they wanted to go and raid. They weren't asking because, so you, you have a lot of, so also queer people have been, have been told your lives are at stake and they are afraid to come out and advocate because your life is on the line. So you're also seeing that those voices are not there because people are afraid for their safety. It's an issue of security. So the other thing is a lot of people that are vocal are not in Zim. So our queer experiences are different from those in Zim and those in Zim will talk up, most people that I follow will talk about every other issue besides that because of the fear of your safety. However, I've also realized that the digital community has been very open because the digital community, also just by looking at the stats on their own, most people that are from that are online, that are from Zim, developed Twitter, people in the diaspora, people that are out who have been exposed. So that has helped in terms of the learnings and unlearnings of homophobia and transphobia. So you kind of find people who are already, because also the other thing about being homophobic in a first world country is your thought does not belong there, you know? It doesn't belong there. They will not allow you to have that thought. So people have had, some of them didn't want to learn it. They were forced to learn it because they were economic migrants and what was at stake was their pockets. So they have been forced to unlearn their homophobia and transphobia because it threatened 
their monetary value. So, and people have had to learn. So we are seeing that the online community has been open-minded. They are learning for whatever reason they are learning online. People are afraid to be homophobic because if you're homophobic, we'll come for you, we'll come to your employer. And you know, in the UK, you can get fired, you know? In SA, we will follow up with you, you can get fired. In Zim, oh, Koma, you know, but you know, it's encouraged. You get a bigger for being homophobic. So we are trying to find spaces. For example, we are trying to start advocating these big international agencies to say, we want to follow up with the people you hire. When they are homophobic, we want you to fire them. So the more, so we want until, so because homophobia is violent on its own, we also want to be violent in terms of making people unlearn homophobia. And one of the most things that you can do is to attack the wallet and attack it from there. And that is when people will stop. So that is what we're trying to do. But we're also trying to find ways, we're trying to find funding, we're trying to find opportunities for people to have access, for people to start podcasts, for people to find opportunities online, because there is no other way that we can say that because opportunities are online now. We are working remotely. So we want that those opportunities for queer people in Zim. So until we kind of like bridge the, the digital divide, some fortunate people like us are the ones that are going to reap the benefits of seeing a Zimbabwean community that is less homophobic. Because that is what I get on my timeline, which is curated very well. I mute and block, but I have had the the benefit or the, the joy of meeting a lot uh, like Zimbabwean people that are not homophobic. And I know that a, a lot of my friends back home still cannot enjoy or be meet people that will give them the same joy that I'm getting. Can I ask like how you protect your, yours? Like, you know, you've already talked about how you block and mute people on Twitter. Um, I think there's a conversation that, for example, we, we we touched on it briefly, like even just being black women and, you know, constantly having to explain experiences of a black woman. So I think, you know, with, with you, there's the added layer of being a black queer woman. So there is going to be a lot of like, oh, you know, but what is, you know, what is that like for you? You know, how do you protect yourself. Like, you know, when we, we first started talking, we we're talking about how, you know, um, from a professional point of view, you almost, you, you get home and you take this, this, that parts, that side off, you know, you can take your wig off and just put your feet up. But, you know, with you, it's not, you, you're, you really mentioned that you're passionate about this. This is, you're an activist. Um, and obviously, you've just spoken about digital spaces and the importance of just making sure that, you know, you're in touch with people and that you are protecting people as well, like not giving out information. How do you, how, when, when, when does Juni get time to just be like, and can you just tell us what that's like for you? Like what is relaxing for you? and Grace Anatomy. So, so I'm a, so one thing is I'm a very passionate person and I think that we're going to talk about that and how it affects my enjoyable life. 
I'm very passionate and and um, so sometimes I take it to bed with me and then I'll be like in bed I'm like you know and then Tessa will be like really like this, is this the time and then sometimes I really can't switch off but also I'm a I'm a, I'm very big I I am very grateful for feminism and feminists who have always said you need to do self-care so self-care in so many ways like when for example I'm with my community on that whatsapp group and we're laughing we that for me self-care making sure that we're all kind of trying to pull each other up and you know sometimes like Feminism for me is like self-care, it's me relaxing, it's me enjoying myself. And like, I love drums and um, this is so Sunday, whatever, Saturday night. Listen, you can be, I will be there blowing up my timeline, tweeting, making noise. And I'm sure my neighbors are annoyed. And then I like, I've told myself there was a time when I was depressed. And one of the major ways that got me out of it was I needed to find 10 things that I love with all my heart. And when I do those 10 things, oh, it could be just one activity. That's me taking a break. When I'm watching Grey's Anatomy, I will wake up and it's set time Saturday in the morning. I will wake up. I will pour myself either a glass of wine early 8 a.m. I will not lie to you with a glass of brandy and coke or whatever I stay I will pour it sit down watch Grace Anatomy tweet and and then I'm like when it's done then I watch Station 19 which I also love I love Shonda Rhimes and then that's me and then I do also have a amazing friends and family so I do have people that I really like hang out with, chill, relax and have fun. What, what's been your favorite vers- versus, versus, versus? <laughs> I love it when you call me Big Papa. <laughs> that was my favorite. That was my favorite. That was my favorite. No, but you guys were dragging Steve. Uncle Steve. Steve was a mess. Steve was a mess. But I also say, but the one that has resonated with me longer was this one from the last one, SWV, This Has Escape. I found myself listening to their songs after it was done for some reason. Yeah, because, yeah, I think, but my favorite was, I think there were so many gems from that one. Steve Harvey should have stayed at home. But yeah, it ha- it was those two have been my favorite. Obviously, Petty Labelle. We've we've had great, yeah, we've had great faces. Like it has been amazing. I, it has, it really has. So, Sinjini, are you single at the moment? I'm single. <laughs> Is there someone out there who thinks that they're in a relationship with you? Sadly, not. I so. I'm not in a relationship. I've tried to do the online dating thing, like going, I've tried the apps. Yeah. They're not working. Like I find, I don't know, man, I don't want to talk about my star sign. (laughs) What's your favorite color? (laughs) So why are you here? I'm Zotimum Jolo. 
So, so yeah, I'm very Below the pandemic. I'm single. Listen, when they when they're like, oh, but how come you're single? <sighs> well, because no one wants me, and I'm hoping you will be the fool that wants me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like. Okay, okay, but okay, June, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you see, when you're saying you're single, I'm not trying to fix myself, and you know, like you know, because. Okay, so so one kind of semi-serious question and then one. Because, okay, the dating pool is the swamp. Trump promised to drain the swamp, but he forgot the main swamp to drain, which is the dating pool. Um, men, some men, as the ghetto... So my question is, please tell me it is better because I've always thought like, what a shame that I am attracted to men because, you know, I, yes, I mean, I love men. I love their energy, but I'm like, you know what? I think a woman would be able what else to me. Eh? <laughs> First of all, Matt, I will discourage all my queer friends from dating straight women. It is a heartbreak that you do not want. Oh, and sorry, sorry before, because that was going to be my other question about oh, okay. the, so my question is going to be about, because the other question is like, like I've made that comment, but then is that like, you know, is it offensive? Like when people are like, oh, I wish I could date women or, you know, I just want to test it out. And they're not, do you know what I mean? Like they're not that way inclined, but you kind of think, oh, maybe I could do this. So let me start with the first one. Have you had sex for five hours, Matt? Okay. <laughs> I let's not answer. How many hours? So so lesbian sex is really some you it it can take the whole day. It's very wholesome. Do, do you know you wake up so emotionally? Have you been so emotionally fulfilled from a physical? that you cannot like okay like you wake up and you're like I'm and you can't even move because you are at peace like it's the whole like rainbows and it's beautiful and unicorns this is this like, sounds marvelous like the orgasm you, you, you know there are different kinds of orgasm there's that one where the mind body and spirit align and so you get those you get the mind body spirit kind of orgasms aligning you you get like you get really kind of a wholesome kind of sex in terms of the sex here it's just me talking about the sex the relationships are Okay, so I've dated men wholeheartedly. I was in it. Great men, good men. So it's not like like some of them I'm still good friends with. We chat. But one thing about dating women is, so of course I've dated the difficult relationships. and But I've dated, like there's a whole level of understanding that's there a whole conversation. Like, I don't want to explain about period pain. So sometimes, and then you find somebody who understands exactly. And so for me, one thing about 
lesbian relationships, for me, what I've experienced is they're very emotionally fulfilling. Like I, you can, I can, I have that where I I can find someone to be my anchor, to be my safety net, to be my soft life. So that for me, those have been the relationships, but also because the, the downside is they are not devoid from society and the homophobia, the internalized homophobia. There's so much trauma that society has brought into queer people's lives and those traumas play out in relationships. So the relationships, some of them have been traumatic. So very, for example, I'm, all my exes will always say this about me. I'm very emotional. Where somebody's like, I love you, but you're very emotional. Like, and then I'm working on it. Yes, but at the same time, so uh, that has been the trauma plays out. So just like any relationship with two people, it has things affected. They are not all glorious. Violence is also very much a thing in the queer community. So there's violence where like people have been violent towards towards each other. So that's also there. And, but yeah, I think it's an issue of, because it's who you are. So it's always finding yourself and finding each other because it's, it's not sake. It's not second nature. It's, it's second. It's there. It's you. So you are enjoying it because it's you. And that's the thing to answer a second question that, on cis heterosexual women or straight women saying, oh, but we want to leave men. It's it's not a you thing. First of all, a lot of queer people have been hurt by women who thought, let me, okay, let's, let me, I, I always hate to use parallels because it dehumanizes, but I want to give an example where somebody says, oh, I'm, you're not my type, but I will date you. You know, I want to try it, but you're not my type. Exactly, it's uncouth. It's so it never works. First of all, from you're telling me I'm not your type, then you want to date me. I also don't want to date somebody who's not my type. It it doesn't fit. Doesn't work. One, two, the fetishization of queer women by by straight cis heterosexual women is that. It does not come from a good space. It comes from a place of hurt. So it's never, oh, I've had fun with men. It always comes with men hurt me, so I'm going to go to the people that do not hurt me. So it never comes from a good space. And also lesbians deserve wholesome relationships where somebody is saying, this is it. This is for me. I'm not coming to heal because it's also, if it's not with you, in you, it's not you. It means when you heal, you're going to leave. And you're going to leave somebody who has taken time, who has loved you, and somebody, and then you're going to leave people broken. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of thought that in terms of communication, like, it's easy to speak to another woman. And I think that is why even as friends, you know, women, we don't need um, 
to be sitting around um, like men they go to the pub drink and then open up but for women you know you can pick up the phone right in the middle of something and then be like oh guys this is what's happening to me and that communication is just always easy like that's not having to explain something and you know it's just like okay you know as a woman i know that another woman would be like you know what today i don't want to talk like you know let's just chill let's just be in each other's company without having to explain that. So I've always thought that that was like, oh, you know, that would be a nice thing. Like that's a nice bit of um, having, uh, like being in a lesbian relationship. But you know, if they're talking also about five hours, you know, I'm like, <laughs> five hours? It's, it's, it's beautiful. You're not sending. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, it sounds glorious, like, like it's not putting me off. <laughs> I mean, that is amazing because can't you see Adala? What's this 20 minutes? <laughs> like, you know, I'd, I have been in a relationship, good ones. And then my family would be like, and I'm like, what do you mean? And then I check the phone. I'm like, oh, it's, I haven't talked to you. Because wow. And then, and then they look at me, they just look at me and you like, it shows. So I've been in good relationships where everyone around me could see like you, you'll be exuding so much joy. And yeah, like you find like a single, you find somebody to talk to about, to you find a partner basically. So really I've had the pleasure of dating good, amazing women that I've, yeah, that I still respect up to this day. But but you've made my point because men are the pandemic because what you've described, you know, like even if it's ended, it, it sounds, you know, I feel it, it oozes peace, you know, just because Johnny, these men out here, they will break. Listen, you will tell someone that, listen, I am, I am an orphan and they will hurt you even further. They'll be like, ha, you don't have a parent. <laughs> now, <laughs> I have free reign. <laughs> it's, 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 it's terrible. So I like, I witness like what people are going through. So I've always said, like, I've got friends who are married to men who seem to be enjoying it. And it seems like it's working. And then on the other hand, I have a lot of friends who are like, and I'm like, what's happening? But then at the same time, I'm also struggling with this Njolo thing. Like I'm single and I'm like, what's happening? So I don't know, maybe something happened. Like it's, it doesn't, it seems to be working for only a select few. And then the rest of us are just out here and be like, FM, we are waiting. <laughs> Wait, are you, are you picky? By that, I mean, I think the older you get, the more you know exactly what you want and what you need and what works and what doesn't. Because, but at the same time, it doesn't stop me from being open-minded. But at the same time, I think was, for example, right now, I, I do not want to do a casual relationship anymore. I'm not available for just chat. Let's see where this thing goes. 
if we are vibing, we are vibing, we are trying to build something. And then if that something does not get built, then that's okay. But I do not want let's vibe and then tomorrow it disappear for two weeks and be like, but no string, whatever they say, I'm not into that. So I know like I'm at a point where maybe that's too when you become older you're very specific and maybe so specific to a point where you're not being open-minded so sometimes like I try I'm like is it a, is it where I am but at the same time I know what works and can I ask you like what's the what your future looks like what what do you want to see and where do you want to be in like the next five years Honestly, I want to marry from a personal level, from the work level, everything. I want to marry a rich aunt and own a lot, and I don't do anything. I just, you know what? I just want to marry rich and live my life. And you guys will see me once on Instagram. You know, like you know how rich people just post one picture on Instagram, dancing, and then disappear. That's it. Yeah. Why work? when you can be at a resort somewhere. Listen, exactly, exactly why I work. But, but Jean, I've enjoyed this conversation. I think we should definitely, because it's, it's the beginning, right? Like, like, I feel you've raised a number of points that I haven't thought about. Um, and I hope in, in our own little way, you know, I think it's, 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 cause we've always said, oh, you know, we can talk about it, but, to be honest, it's not real. It's it's not real if you don't have somebody who has the lived experience, right? Like it it, it makes no. And I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm always getting at you because I'm like, you know what? I really want you to amplify your voice in some way because you know only you can do it like in that way. But before we before we go, I wanted to, you know, <sighs> I don't think we've spoken properly since Ginimbi. See Ginimbi. Because I know, you know, <laughs> you were a big fan of I, how how are you doing, my sister? It's weird. Like it's weird. weirdly enough, I never realized how much I like that guy. And I everyone in my life used to like, I remember even when my mom was here 2019. We wouldn't, this is Cape Town. My brother would not leave on a Saturday to go to Long Street until we finish watching Jinimbi. Like, <laughs> so Jinimbi before hitting Long Street. And when he died, I think Lee and I had gone out and her friend, we were like, I woke up to a lot of messages, people saying, oh, my condolences. And I freaked out, called my sister, and my sister like, what's going on? I'm like, who died? And then only to realize, yeah, man, it's we 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 see people through TV, through the internet, we connect with them. And it for me, he it was somebody I saw who fought so hard to leave, like he wanted to leave his life. And I think all of us are some people not, some of us are on that fight every day to live our lives. So to watch somebody fighting so hard and doing what he loves and leaving, that for me, I think was something that I really enjoyed about him, just watching somebody live their 
life and fighting to live the best that they could because they know that it can all be gone. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Like, I think Instagram lives haven't been the same. A, a, a lot has happened. A lot has happened. But, 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 yeah. I also thought about you. Like when I saw it, I was like, oh, Juni. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. Before we kind of close off, any, um, and and any any last words for the, for this episode? Because you definitely do need to come back. Um, yeah, like. Maybe do you want to tell people where they can find you or if there's anything in particular that you'd like to draw their attention to? So, yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I am on Instagram. So I also consult on the side so for women's rights, anything consultancy, find me job opportunities, we want to. We want this money. If you want me to speak at your event about those issues, please diversity. So uh, corporates are also calling me lately, which has been I do not know how. It's been I've been fortunate to be called to actually talk about policies and some of those things and how corporates could better align their policies or not to make sure that they are inclusive because so if people want this at a corporate level I've been doing it NGOs I do consultancy those back at home I do my sister and I started the Fed Pharma uh, so we have that incubation project that we're doing so if you have eggs you can call WhatsApp and we if you have them, we'll put them in our incubators and you get your chicks. So all the prices are on Twitter as well as our Facebook page, The Fed Farmer. That's what we're doing back home in Zim. And yeah, and if people really, so I also say my humanity is not up for discussion. And I also don't want to teach people on how to see me as a human being. But I've had, had also parents, siblings in my DMs to say, so how do we navigate the space? I'm also very much open to having those conversations. I'm not scary. I'm very direct sometimes about advocating because I feel like sometimes it needs to be direct, but I'm very much open to having these conversations with people. And yeah, that's me. So thank you very much for bringing me to the space. I love girls, guys, and I enjoy hearing you guys talk and I'm so happy all three of us went to Evelyn. So, <laughs> and yeah, I think Evelyn is doing proud. Everybody seems to be doing amazing and congratulations on the podcast. Ned said to me, oh, remember, this is, this is like a popular show. So she is right. Thank you very much for inviting me to the popular show. And I had fun. Let's do this again. On the spot, <laughs> I said, you know, you remember, like, this is Gelling's guy's podcast. <laughs> I'm like, yes, girl, yes. <laughs> okay, Golly, where can people find you? Any last words for this episode? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, do you know, it's just been, um, it's maybe, I think the conversation that we've had, Jenny, has made me really think about other things like you know so I thank you for that and I thank you as well because you've also humbled me as a person I tell you um 
it's just you made me rethink about things where sometimes you know you you just sometimes ignorance is bliss and i think we as pe- uh, people we have the we are the ones who have to like seek out you know where where we where there's a gap in our knowledge where there's a gap in our experiences i think in order to fully understand somebody else's experience and we can never fully understand someone else's experience but to have a bit of um an inkling i think these conversations are absolutely necessary. So I really hope that, you know, you saw, I hope that, hope to hear you and I, I would, we would love to have you back, but we need to hear more about, you know, these, these, the issues that um, queer people experience. It's very important, I think, because Lati, we are growing, you know, we're going to have children. I think we want, I want to have a space that is open, that if my child comes out to me, I know how to, to handle that. But, and it's important that we continue to amplify voices. So I think, you know, may you just literally, as Nat is saying, may your voice be heard, like not just only on Twitter, but on all social media platforms, because I think you bring it to a level that is not, you know, you, you make it so so free to kind of have a conversation like this with you. So I thank you, you know, um, it's been great. And I can't wait to have you again. Thank you, Kali. Definitely. I, I, I think this is probably going to be one of our longest episodes. I think we're, we're nearing two hours. Yeah. Uh, definitely up there, top three, I think. Um, but again, God, you said everything. Thank you so much, Juni, uh, for coming on. Thank you so much, Taviso Lobo, for coming <laughs> on. Um, thank you so much for being a friend. Um, I've enjoyed this conversation and definitely we need to have another conversation. And <clears throat> I think, like God, said, really want to amplify voices. You know, I, I really try to speak on things that I know of. Um, and I think for me, it's, that's why it was important that, you know, I need you to come on and like have your voice and I'm still going to be pushing for you to like have your voice that we can amplify it. Um, but yeah, but no, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. And <clears throat> Galen Skies everywhere. We're going to put links, a link to your Twitter page in the um, more information stuff. So if you're listening to this, if you look at the part of you're watching this, if you look at the YouTube more information, uh, you'll, you'll be able to click and connect directly with Unjuni. But summer as well, hey? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I'll, I'll put that as well. But no, thank you guys. Um, just to close off, I wanted to, hopefully this will work. Um, I wanted us to just, you know, listen to these wise words by this philosopher. Uh, I'll play it. This is us signing out from Galen's Guides. Uh, this guy is like, I'm angry. <laughs> Does he hear some babies? <laughs> if you hear some babies, please, please come and pay my bill right now. Oh my God. <laughs> The in 2018. <laughs> Handsome doesn't pay bills. Rest in peace, <laughs>